Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point process, online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter, and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. So you're from here originally? Yeah, I grew up. How how did you come in? How did we get in contact? My cousin, Jimmy Waters, which... Jim Waters, Waters, right. Yes. Jim is this brilliant uh, VR camera. Mm-hmm. Technician guy, like okay. he's from here. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, he just yeah. he kind of said he says you might want to check this out and see if. Uh, and I was like, let me. I was curious. I didn't okay. quite know. I had heard you guys before because what was it? I think a friend of mine, um, friend of mine that I grew up with. I think early on when you guys first started, you guys were wearing one of his like home gym T-shirts. He used to have these. Uh, this guy Gerard Hebert. I don't know if you guys. Interesting. If that, I think that might be, you might be someone else. Might have been someone else. Although I like, I like the visualization of me in a gym shirt. Well, I don't think it was you. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to imagine. We're rolling. This is, we're already already into into it. I don't need to put these on. No, you 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 can if you want. You can if you want. (laughs) So listen, um, we're we're, going to skip our intros because we're into this. Michael Wallace is in the studio. And um, before we get Michael to uh, introduce who he is, we are holding a physical book, Dave, you and I. Called mm-hmm. the motorcycle metaphor, and With a very handsome dude. This in the excites front. me because um, I myself am a motorcycler. Uh, I have yet to uh, oh, it's pr- signed. purchase it's a, signed uh, a well. Harley Davidson yet, but uh, it is signed. Yeah, cool. Um, Enjoy but the I, read and the Michael. Ride. I've been riding a, uh, a motorcycle since as long as I can remember. Like I nice. think I was six years old, maybe when I or maybe five when my my dad got me this little lawnmower based motorbike, little green thing. Uh huh. Which graduated up to a little Honda 50, then a, a little YZ80, and then I got a Suzuki wow. 550, and always wanted to get back on the road. And it's been a few years since I've had a bike. Anyway, this is our quick uh, way to pull you into the podcast. So who oh. who the heck are you? Just get, well, get, get, and how, give how, it to how us. How did you find us? We were talking about that, which will probably be included. I already know who and, the heck and, you are. And, but, and, okay. and before we get going, we just have to establish one thing. <laughs> yes. That thing is, if your mom never let you ride a motorcycle when you are younger- mm-hmm. Can you still enjoy this book? And is there uh, uh, very much so? Okay, so what's interesting is that the the book isn't for motorcyclists. Actually, the book is for, um, and I like to say it's for it's for leaders. It's for people who want to make a difference in their life. It's for people who want to have better teams. It's for just living. Yeah, uh, it's for everyone. Yeah, it is for everyone. And I know I I wrote it with the direction of. I wanted it to, just because of my business, I wanted it to be for the corporate people, for the VPs, the managers, directors. And then as people are reading it, they're like, no, it's like, it's for me too. It's for, and I'm like, oh, okay. So there's other stuff there. 
it's so fun too because when you think of other metaphor type books, like mm-hmm. think about how many sports metaphors there are, like whether yeah. it's hockey, football, surfing, in business, like. It doesn't matter what the thing is. You're going to learn something yeah. from a motorcycle metaphor or a hockey metaphor or a Grateful mm-hmm. Dead metaphor. Bam. Uh, Bam. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here in studio because you, you're based out of Montreal. We, yes. were, we were expecting to call you. I know, but... Oh. You traveled all the way here just for this. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you guys want that story? Yeah, yeah. tell us whatever you want. So I, well, so I'm a West Sider. I grew up on Lower West Side. From 83, and then I moved out of here around Laura 90. Yeah, Laura's like Winslow and Ludlow. Big, yep. giant white house that's- cool. uh, I was I on Lancaster for a while. Yep. Yeah, that was great and memories ch- And Chapel area. Street. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but moved out of West. So went to high school here. Uh, what high and school? St. John High? Uh, yeah, St. John High. Yeah, me too. And then went to, but half my life I spent in Ontario. So moved back to Ontario for a couple of years, then came back, went to university here, and then eventually moved to Montreal for, um, for the women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my first, my wife, my uh, former wife, she was from Montreal, still yeah, Montreal. Yeah. So I've, I've been living there yeah. s- for about 20, 20 years, 22 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but my family's still here. So we come back, um, uh, probably once or twice a year. Nice. Um, and it's funny, fall in love with St. John since I left. Is, but you know what? This, this you're is, not alone in this. This yeah. is a common theme now. Like it's in. I'm talking the last five six years. Uh-huh. There's been a spiritual shift here. Yes. And it's interesting just to derail us for a second. I uh, own a film production company, and we could talk about Saint John the whole time, uh, and I'd love it. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was looking at videos that we did for my previous company, Hit Media, back in 2002, mm-hmm. and they were Saint John rah-rah videos like Jay McLean's in it all, all these all these people that we know today talking about a new energy that we're feeling right so we've actually been having this conversation for a long time but I really think mm-hmm. it's finally gained well let's let's put that in a, in a motorcycle metaphor you know we've what, what, what's that once the RPMs when, let's get to that point where it's not revving up anymore but it's just, you just get into that nice yeah you're sort of in the mid-range where there's there isn't vibration like there's not the rumble vibration and you're not getting the high-end vibration on from right. your hands it's just you're just you're rolling things are you're smooth you're cruising things, yeah. so we I think we're yeah. just starting to get smooth right yeah and we're mm-hmm. going fast but like it's smooth and it's feeling right and this is what you're feeling right now about this town it is not so we come every our family our family is like a family in Ontario um and and Montreal, we try and take over the Hilton downtown and uh, on New Year's. Uptown. Or, so, or sorry, Uptown. And we, <laughs> like oh, a, new, like a New Year's. I know. Well, come on. Like, <laughs> he's, he's been away for I a while, Dave. Come on, break. But the whole like New Year's with the, um, uh, with the boardwalk and the bands playing, yeah. like every year we just, we love it. And then discovering just all the different places. Like my favorite little watering hole is Five and Dime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like just like. You know, a, lot, a lot of my vinyl records are there. I, uh, oh, yeah. I, I long time donated the, uh, I, someday I, I probably will be allowed to take them back, but I'm, I don't need no. them back. I, but I, I, I probably a hundred of my records are in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd five and dime. They're very honest people too. I, uh, I left there one night, uh, in a hurry for some reason, you know, mm-hmm. and two days later I was like, where's my credit card? I've been dying. Yeah, Dave, we've been waiting for you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God love him. So, um, so th- let's get into, um, I mean, and, and so for listeners, the West side is an area of St. John and it's, mm-hmm. it's actually quite, mm-hmm. it's a fascinating place. Um, I surf there. It's one of my favorite surf spots down Bayshore. 
Is that right? Yeah. No, no cool. I'm there often. No way. Ba- oh man, we get really nice surf on Bayshore Beach. I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah. You have to be in a wetsuit. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah, oh yeah. Dry Certainly. suit probably. Eh? No, yeah. no, just wetsuit. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, but let's talk about. Um, tell it now. The, you have a really. You're the president of a very cool sounding company. Company. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's innovation. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. Um, Please. Well, that came about. Uh, uh, like I stepped away from corporate about eight years ago. Um, and I was in my background as I'm a pharmaceutical guy, like I'm pharmaceutical sales and training and soft skills and all that stuff. And, uh, I knew I wanted to create something, um, and having conversations with colleagues come up with the name. And for me, it was all about where, where this innovation comes from. It's a combination of bring people to a state of being fascinated and mixing in innovation. Oh, cool. To create some kind of, of change, some kind yeah. of shift. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in a state of fascination and you're curious, you're more open, and then the innovation is just bring in something new. Don't throw everything out, but just bring in something new to help engage them. Mm. So it's- I love it. kind of what I say. It's, it's so good to have a story behind a name mm. too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is- I like your three core beliefs. Number one, success is a great motivator. Mm-hmm. Number two, success can't be taught. Mm. Number three, success needs to be experienced. So, so, um, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. And I'm going to elaborate on, on really sort of the last one. Cause I think the first two, um, might be self-explanatory, but it's, it needs to be experienced. So I do a lot of, uh, training and development, either it's either one-on-one or it's small group stuff or big group things. I don't want to, there's a time, like, it's almost like, um, you're bringing people through a, a dip. You need to bring them to a dip before things are difficult, but then you need to have them experience success and whatever you're trying to create to move them forward. So in any of the workshops that I do, I, I'll destabilize them a little bit so they get opened up and curious and want to see something new. And then almost like kind of wrapping them in a nice, warm, comforting blanket on their way out so that they do feel that they're successful in this. Cause I find that when you feel that success in making any kind of change and that helps you sustain that change. Yeah. 100%. That, and that's what I like about the, having people experience success moves them, uh, helps move them forward. Do you think, do you think part of it is defining what success is? Yeah. You know, and, and where mm-hmm. I'm going with that is sometimes like, and you're a coach, um, mm-hmm. a certified coach through CTI. Um, so, you know, it's this idea that, uh, you know, like a lot of times when we, when you learn about coaching, um, you learn about the power of acknowledgement, right? Mm-hmm. As, as a core Oof. component of coaching, right? And it's yeah. acknowledging sometimes effort, not just the result, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes, I mean, mm-hmm. success, so it, I, to me, I guess, and I don't know why I'm playing with this. You tell me what you, you know, what your perspective is, but, but sometimes I'm finding a lot of people say, well, this success is when I reach this milestone, which is way out there when I reach. 5 million revenue or we tackle these yes. new markets and it's like, okay, that's great to celebrate when you get there. But, but in mm-hmm. the meantime, what, what, what does success look along the way? And you know, yeah. is this, is this resonating? It is. It's, it's so much. And I'll, I'll just kind of personally for me, like I, for years, I had a hard time recognizing just my own success and you'd have other people that would say, but you're so successful. And I'm like, well, no, but I haven't hit this or I haven't hit that. Like those milestones. Right it's having their perspective or their acknowledgement of it that makes you go, okay, wait a minute, I am, I am successful in just what I'm doing and, and how I'm, how I'm able to do it. I don't know if that's making any sense because mm-hmm. what I, I guess what I really want to talk was you talked about like acknowledging people's success 
And that's such a wild thing to do when like get a group of people together and get people like comfortable that they can really do this and kind of feel vulnerable. What we're, you do these, these exercises of acknowledging other people. Yes. And then having them actually stay in it and accept it, yeah. not go, oh, like, yeah, no, 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 it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that is so powerful for yeah, someone yeah. Um, and helps them really kind of see like, wow, I am, I am doing well. I am great. Mm. It's perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like the metaphor, you know, would be for me, you know, the one I've often, and I, and I, listen, I went, I want to apply it more myself, with mm-hmm. myself, you know what I mean? Um, uh, but I, I find it's like, you know, you're climbing up and you, you, you know, you're trying to summit Mount Everest, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in metaphorically and you're climbing and it's just, and you come up, oh, this is it. And then, oh my God, there's, you know, it's another peak, another peak. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't stop and turn around and look where you came from, which is like, oh my God, I came from way the hell down there. I've actually yeah. done a really good job mm-hmm. up till now. And, you know, like think of us, we, you know, we get maybe a little bit, and maybe it might just be me, Greg, but a little bit focused on like how many downloads do we have, right? Yeah. And is that, you know, f- forgetting that, well, wait a sec, we get to meet these cool people, authors and coaches mm-hmm. and media and types. by the and, way, our stats are amazing because when you look back 10 years ago or did we start 10 uh, years ago? Well, <laughs> whenever we started. No, no, but no, but we got a recent stat that we went, oh, we were like, like wow. That's and all of a sudden we're like really proud, but it's like, wait a sec, what did we do to get there? So is it, so I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think we do. We often like that, our, our rear view mirror only, you can only see so far. So you lose, you lose track of it. Well, um, that's a good way of looking at it too, yeah. eh? Yeah. So you actually have to yeah. create a different type of uh, visual to help see far. I, I always find it's good having, having that other person. And it's not that we want like appreciation, recognition from other people, like to, just to feed our ego, but, but I they do. help give us perspective. I, I, do. I know, I do too. Craig <laughs> um, <laughs> does too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, Michael, in, in your book, Motorcycle yes. Metaphor, you've got chapter eight is asking for help and vulnerability. And uh, you tell a story about going across the street to a neighbor looking for help. Jim, but, yeah. But what I think is interesting about it is um, mm-hmm. you're, you're, the quote you have is, when you ask for help, you have to surrender to the help you receive. And as I read that, I was thinking, I was like, that's so true. Um, there's a number of different emotions that go through when you're asking people for help. One of them actually can be, if I ask for help, what if it's not, what if they give us the help we don't need or want, which is on us to be more articulate with what we're asking help for, perhaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you expand on that a little bit? Just I, that, that was there's really, uh, yeah. It's so funny. We were, we were talking about this last week during a, a little event. There's two kinds of asking for help. There's asking for help that you just don't know how to do it and your ego's not involved at all. So you just ask for help. And then there's the other part of asking for help of where you're in a place of, well, I'm the leader, I'm the manager, I'm the expert, I'm the one that's can't getting paid the big bucks. So I should be able to do this. If I ask for help, then that's. What does it make? What do people think? Yeah. What do people, so, so your ego kind of gets in the way, right? And, um, oftentimes leaders don't ask for help because they get stuck there. But yet if they ask for help, then it opens themselves up. It's like a little bit of that vulnerability. They're showing that they're human. And whenever I ask a room, like how many people are willing to help someone when they're truly in need and everyone's hand flies up, says I'm willing to help. But when you're stuck and you're really kind of focused on your ego, how willing are we to actually ask for help? So there's a bit of vulnerability. You got to work through that. And then the other thing is that when we ask for help, and especially if we ask, if we ask for help from a controlling place where we want to control the help we're going to get, we're going to be very directive. That's not necessarily really asking for help. That's more of trying to delegate something. So. That's a good distinction actually. When Mm. you, so when you ask, open up, ask for help, then that's where you need to be open to the help you're going to receive. 
which is when you start controlling or trying to like, oh, no, no, I don't want that help. Or thanks for, thanks for offering that help, but no, no, I, I don't need that. Then that is almost like not accepting someone's gift. Someone gives you a gift at, at a holiday mm-hmm. and you're like, mm-hmm. no, 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 thank you. I have enough mm-hmm. of that. So you need to be open to accept it because you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, um, I just recently brought on a, an employee um, that was remote. Like I'm in Montreal, she's in Toronto and she was having this willingness to help me and get involved. And I was trying to, it's like, well, what can you really do? You're remote. How can we work together? And I finally just said, you know what? Just, just accept this. Here's someone that wants to jump on board, like on your ship that's going. And she's really riled up about it. Just say yes. And let's just see what happens. And then it's so shifted in terms of how she's involved with the company and how she's helping that I couldn't have orchestrated that. I didn't, I didn't know. I just had to accept it and open it up. And, and I'm so, I'm, I'm so thankful that I've got Susie, her name's Susie. So thankful that Susie's on board helping me now because I'm, I'm doing things I, I didn't think I was going to be able to do. That's awesome. You know, I, I, it reminds me of a time when I was asking for help, but I was kind of, I, in my head, I had a specific idea of what that help, how it would show up. I think that's mm-hmm. what I was trying right? to get yeah. to. And, yeah. and so where, what, well, yeah, and I think, I think Michael does a good job of, of describing it. Where, so how it showed up was, you can appreciate this, I was designing a workshop and mm. I was struggling because there was a concept and I was just like, yep. damn, how am I going to do this? Like, and I was starting to get nervous because it was getting closer. The help I really wanted is I wanted someone else to come and do it. Right, mm. like is really what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> Which means you're not communicating there effectively, right? Well, but I was asking, a, like a mentor. Actually, it was a woman we just saw. Uh, I just ran into at the uh, at that lunch that huh. you guys did, and uh, and she and as a very great mentor, she said, you know, that's great. You know, well, you know, read this, and you know, here's some things I'd like you to consider, and then then mm-hmm. I think you'll be okay. And it was like, oh, it was not the help I was looking for, but it was the best help I ever got because oh, it made me cool. learn. About mm-hmm. this in a way that I needed to, to yeah. be successful in uh, as I could be, I guess, in designing, and then actually, and it actually ended up going quite well. But she trusted it, so like it was just like sometimes we think we know what the help should look like, mm-hmm. and it comes in a completely different way. I, I and wonder, it's like, the, bam! Just the, no, no, not this isn't even a devil's advocate perspective here, but um, just uh, I'm, and I don't even have any examples in my head of where this applies really. But there's also a context of help that you need to communicate because. I just sometimes leaders mm-hmm. who find themselves in the trap of being busy, yeah, we need the help, but we don't necessarily have the time to accept all the plethora of help that someone's willing to gift you. So how do we communicate the help that we need mm-hmm. razor sharp? Mm-hmm. And I don't even, I'm not even talking from experience right now. I'm just trying to work this out in my head. Um, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, cause I have a, I have an idea, but yeah, I it's your- uh, it, it so I just want to acknowledge that you're, you're so right. And then even in my head, I go, okay, so I've, I've got a new consultant I'm bringing on board to build some workshops for me. And, um, and the whole time I'm thinking, wouldn't this just be easier just to do this myself? Yes. In, I, I <laughs> instead of, you know, working through with that. And I've got to be very specific in terms of here. And we've had many conversations. I'll say her name. And if she listens to this, she'll know what we're talking about. So I have many conversations with Julie about this. And there's a part of where she's trying to do too much and I'm trying to maybe control too much. And we had to be very, I had to be very specific about here's the sandbox that we're in of here's where we're going to play. And then, so that's being very specific and clear. And then I had to step away and just say, okay, so 
you know, and I'm going to trust that you can play within that sandbox. So you do what you need to do. And then when it comes back to me, um, then I just need to work with what she has, but I have to let go of what I think should be the ideal solution. Cause otherwise then I'm just, I just want someone to do exactly what I want to do. And how could they ever do it? Right. So they can't do it. So that, if it, that takes a lot of energy of specifically trying to train them to do exactly that. The other part of that, that I think is worthy of exploring or mentioning sometimes, at least for me, sometimes I'm not even sure of what the help I need. I think mm-hmm. it might look like, like, so I can't, I can articulate it because no. I'm stuck. Right. And if I was, you know, and it's like, and and we get stuck for a whole bunch of reasons, but sometimes it, I find that can be very challenging to, um, to get, um, you know, to, to, to your point, articulate what you want because you don't know, but then it limits what someone actually can offer, right? Mm-hmm. Because you think, oh, I'm so, like, I don't know, I'm making this up. I'm so busy. If I can only have help with my inbox, Right, as an example, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. And then someone says, "Yeah, I can help you there, and I can do all these other things." If you give, them, and you're like, "Oh my gosh," yeah. you know what I mean? So sometimes it's just saying, "Look, I'm overwhelmed, and I don't know where to start." And and I think I think a lot of times people get so focused on trying to articulate the help they need that they're stuck in it, and it's a cycle, right? And then it just gets mm-hmm. worse and worse. And it's and just to to back to your point, Greg. Right. <laughs> it's, I'm literally wearing He's a tag. wearing a tag. Uh, like, 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 right in your eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> was, was around. <laughs> when I'm asking for help, I'm going to someone that I have the confidence that has that expertise that so that they can do it. So I don't need to get into that. I'm like, I'm asking for help because I don't know how to do something. So who I'm going to is they should have that expertise. And, and you have to do, put the energy in to make sure that they are the ones with the experts. Yes. I think this is where yeah. I'm going a little bit is, okay. um, uh, you can ask for help and we're all trying not to be micromanagers as entrepreneurs. We're trying to evenly distribute, yeah. mm-hmm. but we all entrepreneurs know how to do everything. Uh, and it's very hard to let go. Yeah. Right. So right. when you ask for help, some of us more than others, and do. I've done this a number of times with my, my inbox, like guy, and it's nobody's fault that they can't figure it out. Yeah. Right. Because it's it's a full time job for somebody or it's me, it, and I've had that experience so many times. I don't think anybody can help me. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Somebody can help me. Yes, but it's a. Uh, you need uh, to read. But like it's a, another big. If I'm going to ask for help, it's going to be I have to be prepared to invest in receiving the help, and I, that's why your quote popped out to me. I was like, this is very powerful. Like, yeah, if you're ready to ask for help, mm-hmm. you got to be ready to receive it, and whatever that means to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm probably making a bigger deal of it than that. And you need to read chapter 17, okay? Okay. Done. What's, what's chapter 17? He'll, he'll tell us in a second. Okay. <laughs> well, um, so, so, so while he's doing that, Michael, tell us about the um, writing a book. What's that? What was that like? What was oh, the experience like? It's uh, pretty amazing. Congratulations, uh, by the way. Th- thank you. Thank yeah, it's you. It's a lovely looking book, too. And the pictures are amazing, man. As a, as a motorcyclist myself, I just love is, seeing yeah. your old bikes on here. And yeah, it's great. So the writing of it was... Um, the writing of it came in probably three stages. So probably three years ago, I went through just a huge transformation just in my like kind of career and life and all that stuff. Um, thanks to CTI. Um, and, uh, Does a, those, those, those training institutions can do that. Oh they? God. Yeah. They yeah. just, they kind of, they don't inject anything that's not there already, yeah. but they just expose it, shine a line on it. And you're really forced to then okay, I need to, obviously I need to deal with this. I can't move forward until I deal with it. So, so a lot of change. So, um, with that came the realization of that, okay, I've got something to share. I've got a story to share. I've got some wisdom to share 
So mm. that put the seed in about, I think I got a book in me. Yeah. Um, and just playing around with doing some writing and people enjoying the little writing that I would do. So I'm like, okay, there's, there is that. So I started to write about leadership and my journey. And then about a year later was the epiphany that came of, why don't I combine these two passions, right? The motorcycling and the whole leadership development or personal development. And then when I put those two together, it was like, okay, I got something. Started to write and do things, um, to get it to a certain point and then got stagnated, got stopped. Didn't know where to go. Like, how do you write a book? How do you do all this stuff? <laughs> so then I ended up getting some help and got some, got involved with a publisher and the publisher really puts you on like this, like through the task. Blackguard books? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and they, uh, they're a Canadian company out of Stouffville, Ontario. Um, nice. and they're kind of, they're, I describe them as being the, um, there's a lot of publishers like this now where they flip the model, mm-hmm. where a traditional publisher will be, okay, we're going to pay for all of the upfront costs of writing the book, marketing the book, paying for it. And then when you sell it, we'll take a majority of the royalties mm-hmm. and then you'll get a small percentage. Whereas these, and there's a bunch of them, where they'll flip it and they'll say, you need to invest upfront, but then we only take like 10% of whatever you and sell And they afterwards. help, they walk you through the process. They do. Right. They're very like... Totally. These guys were very taskmaster. Like, okay, here's your, pro- like I was on a project platform working through. So anyways, my brain hated it, but it got me through to that point of where, okay. And it was the help I needed to get the book finished. And then they helped the layout and the pictures and all that. And they're the ones that made it look so great. Hmm. Um, very impressive. But is it, did I enjoy the whole thing? <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're asking because Dave and I have a book in us as well. And we okay. we, we have not started the journey yet. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's work, isn't it? Because you've got all it that knowledge work, in your yeah. head mm-hmm. and it's your duty to share that knowledge. And, the, you know, getting a book is such a quick mm-hmm. way to get on stages. And yes. being on stage is a quick way to create leads. And it's like, it is a model that's working right now and you're doing mm-hmm. the exact that's right exactly, thing. yeah. That, and that was my whole thing. It wasn't, I didn't write the book to sell books. Um, I wrote it as a, it's like a glorified brochure, right? Like people get to see your story. <laughs> see see yeah. what you have to offer. A hundred percent. But I, no, but I would, I would, I would challenge that a little bit. I think there's more than that. And I'm saying that it, just like, yeah, in, 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 right. in, in, like, I'm not having gone through it. I will. Mm-hmm. But I think I would say there's more than, than the glorified brochures because I, because oh I yeah. think people should consider it. So how do they, how do they get it? How do they get in their hands? How do they buy How it? do they get the book? So it's available on Amazon as, um, in a Kindle version. Um, I still, I just haven't had the time to work out the distribution network of how you get it into places. Um, the, that was another thing. The publisher doesn't necessarily take care of that part. Like that's like, you've got to have feet on the street, talking to people, getting right. into bookstores. So in, in your workshops, everyone gets one that kind of Yeah. Thing. When I do workshops on on this, then it's one of my stuff, then yeah, I'll I'll include it. But I also do some stuff where I'm doing, let's say like a, like a workshop on persuasion and, and influence into like a big corporate company. So that I can't, it's like, that's the curriculum I'm doing for them. I can't necessarily, like, I can't plug my stuff really because I'm, I'm in there doing, doing it for them. Um, but then just contact me directly and I'll, you know. And how do they contact you? How do people contact you? So, uh. God, I don't why, how come I'm not prepared for these simple questions? Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't know what was coming at you. No, I didn't. Um, you can find me multiple ways. You can find me on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Um, what I'm playing around with now is doing 
uh, motorcycle vlogging. Yep. So creating these little videos a bit, and I'm just waiting for better weather. So I can only do it when I'm traveling right now, when I'm going somewhere warm, like I'll rent a bike and then do stuff there. So find me on the YouTube channel. It's just Michael Wallace, Motorcycle Metaphor, and you'll come up with some videos. Awesome. Please do not critique the production quality. It's not professional. It's a... Uh, uh, we are here to uh, to enjoy lovingly. We're here to acknowledge <laughs> everything you're doing. MotorcycleMetaphorsBook.com. Yes. And fast, mm -hmm. fast Innovation. Yeah, FastInnovation.com is, is the company. So, so that's where you can, can learn more there. about this young man mm -hmm. and all the cool things he's doing. With a super rad CBC shirt as yeah. well. Yeah, okay, I'm loving yeah. that. I got to tell you, I wear this. The, I call this my, it's, um, I, when, I, when I go to the U.S. a lot, my girlfriend lives in the U.S. So when I'm visiting her or traveling around, this is like my secret code for other Canadians yeah, down there. Yeah, no yeah. one recognizes That's right. It. That's yeah. a good idea. That's, that's, that's cool. a great idea. So we, um, we're going to say goodbye, Michael, and then we're going to do mm -hmm. some takeaways. Okay. So you stick around, uh, Dave. Uh, that was awesome. Um, yes. I'm looking, so uh, chapter 17, before like people will wonder what it was. Trust yourself. Bam. <laughs> all right folks uh, all right. keep an eye out for the motorcycle metaphor by Michael yeah. Wallace uh, the book is awesome I've already like actually skimmed through a lot of it through mm -hmm. this, this interview and, and it's, it's been great and are you going to do the uh, bowling point takeaways and can I just one actually one, one last yeah, thing yeah. I don't even know when this is coming out I'm actually doing a book launch tomorrow April 13th at the five and dime at noon but this won't be out no, in time no I won't this. but you know what no. we, we need to tweet that out with the picture to, to get people out okay Okay. Yeah, can you drink at the book launch? Yeah, Bam. so I, I was wow. uh, Jody's. Jody's opening it up early, <laughs> nice. so uh, nice. That's new cool. to you, you know what? I have a credit card probably still sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put on your tab. It's on me. It's on me. Next one's on me. And now it's time for the boiling point takeaways. Uh, coming to you live from the Boiling Point podcast booth in Saint John, New Brunswick, Dave. blocks away from the Five and Dime, where there will be. A book launch that you will miss by the time this gets out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. It was epic. It was epic. Was yeah, really yeah. So, uh, so you start. You start with your takeaways because I did takeaways yeah. first last time. For sure. So uh, we've got uh, we've got Michael Wallace in the studio today, and his book is the motorcycle metaphor, which I'm very excited about because I love motorbikes and I fully understand where this guy's coming from. And it's it's a leadership book. Whether you're into Motorcycling or not does not matter. Um, it's, it's so cool how business and sports of any sort or, or, or leisure, uh, leisurely experiences like motorcycling go hand in hand, you know? So I think my takeaway was just our conversation that we had about asking for help. and Because mm. I, I don't mind asking for help at all. I ask for help often. And, but it is a fun place to check your ego when, when you mm -hmm. ask for help. And uh, so I'm going to practice that a little bit more, Dave. That's... Do you need help holding? <laughs> and I, I'm a professional filmmaker, and I just dropped, is, I dropped my is, phone because we're videoing this. Yeah, so we'll edit that part. No, 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 that's no? staying in. Okay, <laughs> well, my hands over this. Um, so uh, many takeaways, but um, you know what I what I really like? I like the um, the story that Mike and wait, you gotta listen to this. Sure, is like how a book came out, and it's about finding your passion. Um, you know, and and and. And, and really turning it into a story. And we all have stories. And this is Michael's story. And um, uh, I love how he's connected to what he does for a living. So very cool. And it's more than a glorified brochure. Amen. <laughs> and, and, and Michael, what, why don't you take the, uh, the old selfie stick and, uh, you, you know, <laughs> the great, uh, stick. Okay. Gr great uh, speakers, authors, and leadership coaches, they always have takeaways as well, even though they're the ones with the yes. knowledge. So what was your takeaway today, uh, Michael? Um, well, my, my takeaway today is, uh, 
for me, it's about always being curious. This is the first time I've done something like this. Am I looking at the camera or looking it doesn't at you guys? Look at the you camera. Want. Look at the camera. It's good. Um, yeah, I'm kind of in a state of just being curious and trying new things. And I didn't exactly know what to expect. Uh, and not necessarily even prepared for the simplest questions like how to contact <laughs> me, uh, kind of stumped me. But I think what I've taken, what I'm taking away from this is just be open to whatever. If someone says, Hey, this might be a good idea. Just take the leap and try it. See what happens. And what did you have fun? I had a blast. Good. This was, this was wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks, Michael. I'm with you. I agree. All right, guys. So, um, friends, please do subscribe to the Bowling Point Podcast and rate us on iTunes if you can. And check out the Bowling Point Podcast.com and the Bowling Point Process.com to learn how to be. Oh my God, you're going heard, on forever. My hands are starting to shake. Heard in a, in, a, in a noisy market. Dave, I'm going to give you more practice carrying the phone. Carrying the phone. Okay, that's it for this week. We're falling apart here. We're sober, too. I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> All right, see you next week. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, Keep that pot boiling. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>